golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We were born to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on FM 96.9 The Game. Hey, bring me another bucket of balls. We love it. And turn on the lights. I love to play. Because I love it. We love it. Oh, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of... Someday, one day, what are they calling it? Ultimate I-4. In the house, Holly G, along with the best caddy on the planet, Jeff Shane. What did the fairways of 1792 look like? <laughs> Lots of rough. Ronald Reagan Parkway something. <laughs> Looking really narrow like the fairways at the RBC Heritage in Hilton Head. <laughs> T- there I go. C. T. C. T. Pan winning his first win on tour. And that comes with so many goodies, Jeff. Um, one happy camper. The first man who was not in the top 12 at Augusta National to qualify for the Masters. One of the, uh, one of, one of the perks of winning that particular tournament is you don't have to worry about the rest of the year. You're in no last minute uh, arrangements no or anything, qualifiers. No, nothing, nothing like that. But, uh, uh, and an interesting story with CT is that, uh, he was, he sponsors an AJGA junior tournament outside his, uh, hometown or his U S base of Houston. And that was last week. And because he had done so poorly through the first half of the PGA tour season, his wife said, Get out. I'll handle the junior tournament. You go play some golf and take care of what you need to take care of. Make some moolah, <laughs> Get honey. some of those FedEx Cup points. Uh, and so she essentially pushed him out the door. Yeah, it was, and... <laughs> it was very sweet when they did the post-interview. He he thanked her uh, very profusely and uh, for, for being there in his place. And I'm sure... Um, you know, he would have loved to have been celebrating with her, but wow, you got to love that. No, it, it's a it's a wonderful story, and and of course now he's going to have to permanently change the date of that tournament so that he can come back every year as a past champion of the RBC right. Heritage. Yes. So uh, for for those that are uh, for those those that may be looking ahead uh, a year at, at the junior golf schedule, those of you who have teenagers who are really really good, that tournament is moving in in the next <laughs> in the next year's schedule. Um, it was, uh, you know, it was kind of a log jam on Sunday. Uh, DJ, the 54 hole leader, Ian Poulter on his heels as of Saturday evening. And then boy, all kinds of stuff was going on. It was one of those days and Harbor town is, is this way, uh, especially when the wind is up and you get into the elements where you make as much hay as you can on the front nine and then you're just holding on for dear life starting at about 12 or 13. And as the day went on, and some of this happened, and some of the guys who uh, had moved up quickly, guys like a J.T. Post and like a Jason Kokrak, 
all of a sudden they were tied for the lead or within a share of the lead, and here come the other uh, the other guys uh, in the later groups that are just starting to make their birdies. At one point, we had 10 guys within one stroke of each other. We had four leaders, and we had six uh, one shot off the pace, and it, it was very difficult to e- even keep track of the leaderboard. I was out there uh, on Sunday, and I decided I was going to go watch and uh, follow DJ for a little bit and catch Jason Kokrak, and I started looking at the at the electronic scoreboards, and it's like, I can't keep track of this all. Uh, I'm going to cut short Gotta <laughs> the head to the press room and see if I can uh, get more of a perspective than the one guy I'm following. Well, and it was, uh, you know, down the stretch, we, we were talking about this before we went on air, that, uh, you know, you've got the sort of protected front nine um, there at uh, beautiful Harbor Town. And then, as you said, you get just past 13, and then you're playing all that wind coming off the Calabogie Sound, and... Uh, it gets tough. It, it really does. On on this particular Sunday, it was the Cala double bogey sound, <laughs> and sometimes triple. But uh, for the leaders, enough doubles right there. DJ seventy eight, ouch seventy seven actually, and just uh, kind of a brutal, uh, br- brutal round. And, and it, I had mentioned to some friends earlier in the day because DJ didn't look like he was doing anything the first three days. He was just kind of. As, as is typical Strolling. of DJ, moseying through the first three rounds of the tournament, and all of a sudden you look up and he's holding a one-shot advantage, and you're thinking, wow, if DJ just you know puts anything together on Sunday, this is done and dusted. And it went completely the opposite way. As I say, I watched DJ early. He wasn't happy with what was going on. Even the iron off the tee at number one, his very first shot of the day, he put it in the left rough at number one just seemed to really struggle with the narrow fairways on Sunday. There was a five-hole stretch from 11 through 15, uh, in which on Saturday he played them par, par, birdie, birdie, birdie. And that's really kind of what thrust him to the top of the leaderboard. Sunday comes along, he plays them bogey, 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 double bogey, Double bogey. Didn't, train wreck. Didn't hit a didn't hit a, a green in regulation at all. Only hit a couple of fairways in that stretch, and and that that's a ten shot difference between Saturday and Sunday just on those five particular holes. And uh, and yeah, at at that point the wheels just came off, and uh, a, another spectacularly ugly Sunday for a fifty four hole leader. In a PGA Tour event, which, by the way, is an emerging trend, and uh, we'll have that up, my my column on uh, thegolfinsiders.com and in the newsletter, because this is this, this really is an emerging trend of the, the last 13 tournaments on the PGA Tour, and I'm even talking about the opposite field events. 11 of those 13 were unable to break 70 on Sunday. And DJ just happened to be the most spectacular of them. Think, think about some of these other Sundays that we've seen this year on tour. Uh, John Rahm takes the lead into the final day at the Players' Championship, shoots 76. Justin Thomas takes a three-shot or four-shot lead into the final day at Riviera, rainy Riviera, and he shoots 75 and gets passed by slow-playing J.B. Holmes. You know, Francesco Molinari, we went over that last week where he took a two-shot lead in Augusta, shot 74. Ricky Fowler shot 74 with the 54-hole lead in Phoenix. The thing is, he won. Everybody was shooting 74, apparently. Just kind of a, just 
one of these things that that uh, we all know how hard it is to win, but uh, this is taking it to a little bit of the extremes. And, and and DJ's been at both ends of the spectrum. The 77 on Sunday, and yet he's one of the two guys that has broken 70 in the final round in this stretch. He shot 66 on Sunday in Mexico. So he's got both ends of, of this spectrum here. Well, there's one guy, however, just uh, came up a stroke short who we call him... You know, Mr. Consistent, Matt Kuchar shooting 69, 69, 68. No 70 for him on Sunday, 67. And, uh, you know, looked like he he might end up winning the thing. He, he really did. He he thought that, that maybe if he could squeeze one more birdie out of it, uh, 12, 12 might have won it outright. And, and certainly he thought uh, 11 had a chance to get into a playoff. And, you know, just C.T. Pond uh, played two under on his back nine, but uh, uh, Cooch is one of those rare guys at Harbortown. It is a rarity to shoot four rounds in the 60s at Harbortown. He made a good run at it. Yeah, he likes that golf course, and somebody that's been pretty hot, played well at Augusta, Patrick Cantlay in the mix. uh, Patrick Cantlay, another one who, uh, again, struggled on Sunday. He was part of that, that mix where we had 10 guys within a shot of each other at one point, Um, and really seems to adapt well to Harbor Town. He has yet to finish worse than seventh in three appearances uh, on Hilton Head Island. Um, and, and again, Matt Kuchar shooting four, 60s, four rounds in the 60s. Uh, we, had, we had a chance to talk to him. Yeah, I think, I think we're going to have that up in the next segment. Oh, next segment. <clears throat> um, so we've talked about this, too, that, that Harbor Town's one of those courses, a Pete Dye, little beauty, uh, that... Probably just looking at it on television doesn't look that tough. But as you were saying, you're never going to see 18 under, 20 under at this golf course. And you had some interesting observations about that. Yeah, it, it's it, it's on a small piece of a smallish piece of land. Of course, the the Sea Pines you know resort now is three courses and uh, all of that, but. Uh, what Pete Dye was able to do, and Jack Nicholas, let's let's give them both credit here, because uh, this is really kind of the golf course that put both of them on the design map. Although you know Pete did do Crooked Stick right before he did Harbor Town, but uh, this is uh, this is a course that is uh, never going to be a bomber's course. It has narrow fairways. There, even after Hurricane Matthew took out a thousand trees or so. Uh, there's still a lot of trees that, that you can put yourself behind, as DJ found out on Sunday. Um, it is uh, the the bunkering is just very savvy, um, well placed bunkers by by Pete Dye that you can get yourself in trouble with, and uh, it, it it may not be to the extremes that we see at at TPC Sawgrass, although. Uh, there are bunkers that do have uh, wooden uh, wooden slats or or barriers that. Uh, uh, can mess with you a little bit. Jordan Spieth found that out at number 13 at the at the bunker that fronts the green there, which, by the way, looks like Mickey Mouse from above. Uh, and and that, that, that's not Pete Dye's green. That's Alice's green. And Alice uh, influenced the tournament just a little bit this week. Um, and, and then they have the smallest greens on the PGA Tour. So uh, if you are hitting a lot of greens in regulation, you are going to be in contention. But for most guys, you better scramble this week. Well, it was um, it was a great event as as always. Um, going after the the tartan tartan jacket tartan jacket. 
Uh, and a good win for C.T. Pan. Now we move to Nolens this week to a really fun event that uh, you know the Zurich Classic has turned into, which is this team event. And there's some interesting pairings, Jeff, as we move to uh, the tee off tomorrow. Yeah, there there really is, and and actually we've had some guys change up over the course of the last couple of years. Uh, uh, some of it has had to do with scheduling. Um, you know, for instance, Henrik Stenson and, and Justin Rose were a team for each of the first two years, a kind of a, uh, a reprise of the, uh, of the uh, Olympic competition uh, back in, in Brazil. But uh, Justin is not playing, has chosen to redo his schedule now with the PGA Championship in May. So Henrik Stenson is, decided he was going to pick up another U, former U.S. Open champion. He's got Graham McDowell. Uh, so uh, Lake Nona neighbors that, that we can look for this weekend. Uh, Jason Day uh, also uh, lost his partner but picked up Adam Scott, so it's an all-Aussie pairing. Uh, one reunion, because uh, uh, because of uh, injuries last year, couldn't happen, but Brooks Kepka is teaming up with his brother Chase, a European Tour uh, player, uh, to uh, take it on. Chase had to get a sponsor exemption to get in. I'm sure they were glad to offer it, but uh, they finished fifth in the first edition a couple of years ago. That's so right. Yeah. This, is a, this is a pairing that, that needs to be looked at. Uh, Ryder Cup pairings, Tommy Fleetwood and Sergio Garcia. That one ought to be interesting. Um, and uh, Bubba Watson, J.B. Holmes, Patrick Reed, Patrick Cantlay in the uh, all-Patrick pairing. Uh, and the other one that, that uh, has contended... Uh, both editions, and uh, it, they're they're fun pairing to watch. It's the uh, it's the Aiken South Carolina pairing of Kevin Kisner and Scott Brown. Yeah, I love I love Kiz, and he <laughs> just loves this kind of format. It's uh, I think they've really done a terrific job of putting this together. So we've got a lot of golf talk coming up here on the Golf Insiders uh, full lineup, and we will be right back. Stay with us. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. The struggler's blues. We're back. The Golf Insiders in the house. Holly G, along with the best caddy who never shanks it, Jeff Shane. And um, how's your golf game? Well, I was going to say, if, if you're saying that I never shank it, um, we, we haven't played golf in a and while. And we've just shot all kinds. We've just had all kinds of go- golfers listening to this go, no, 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 don't say the S word. Please don't say the S word. Oh, my goodness. Um, but, but remember, there's a guy out on tour who has to live with that name. That's true. Adam Shank. Oh, king. He, he and Ryan Yip. Oh, no. Don't say it. Don't say it. Um, so next week, the Golf Insiders will finally return to our Regular time slot. 11 years. We've been at 6 to 7 every Wednesday night. And we've been doing a little bit of hopscotch due to the magic. So, yes, we're sad that the magic's out of the playoffs, but we're happy to have our time slot back, aren't we, Jeff? Yes, there, there's definitely a very mixed bag there of uh, of emotions. Uh, and 
you know, the Magic had a good run. I, when you don't make the playoffs for a half dozen years, uh, the fact that uh, you get to extend your season by a couple weeks is uh, a, a good jumping-off point. And uh, we'll see what uh, they can come up with in free agency. and or, or in this case, maybe it's keeping guys around in free agency. Well, you just got back from the RBC up at beautiful Hilton Head, which was your home for a few years. And, um, a little mini reunion with some friends. Yes, really a, a fun fun trip, but you were working hard, and uh, you got a, a couple of minutes with Matt Kuchar and, uh, in the media scrum after the tournament. We want to play that right now. You've had a stretch of good golf here this uh, last four weeks or so. Is there a common thread that's kind of gone through? I can't say. I mean, it's been it's been a really good year up to this point. It's just been good, steady golf. I've, I've, I've been pleased with all aspects, and you know, that's, that's kind of the nature of my game. I kind of try to have no real weaknesses. And you know, this place, you, you know, really got to hit the ball well. If you're not striking the ball well, you're you're in the trees and you're you know, playing for pars. It's, it was nice to to be in control of my golf ball for for the most part this week. You've had a terrific year, arguably the best year of your career. Has anything in particular changed? I mean. <laughs> I wish I wish I could tell you. I think I just continue to evolve. The goal as a player every year is to continue to get better, and I feel like the work I've done with my instructor Chris O'Connell each year, we we just try to get a little bit better. And I think we've we've really done some some good work. Um, you know, it's 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 tiny little things that add up, and we we just it's a constant refining and improving. And you know, it's those little things that you know, it's hard for me to even put my finger on what what it is, but we. We continue to, to kind of evolve and to a, a better golf. I would assume it leads to just confidence, and, and more confidence, the better. Oh, I think good golf breeds more good golf, for sure. I think uh, you know, there are some guys who can can miss cuts and bounce back and, and, and win the next week. I, I've kind of been a guy that just builds with, with good golf that continues to, to, to get more good golf. So you know, I, I certainly get a lot of confidence from, from good results and, and, and think it, it's something that spirals on. Well, we know a guy that knows a lot about how the tiny little things add up to good, steady <laughs> golf, Jeff. And we always love having him on the show. Dr. Bob Winters from the Ledbetter Academy, sports psychologist and mental coach guru. Dr. Bob, good to have you on the show. Hi, Holly. Hi, Jeff. It's good to be on the show. Indeed. So um, what do you think it is about Matt Kuchar? You know, these guys, as you know, talk week to week about putting the pieces together, you know, searching for, you know, the the best of their game, which I think a lot of fans when they're watching professional golfers don't realize, you know, we get to listen to them behind the scenes and the pressers, you know, uh, week to week. But how often these guys are searching, you know, to find it and, uh, Matt is, you know, just Mr. Steady Eddie out there. Well, he's been Steady Eddie now ever since Bobby Bettinardi put that Bettinardi longer putter uh, with sort of that, you know, adopted uh, grip, you know, that he has with that putter. He's been putting great. And let's let's make no mistake about it. In order to win at Heritage, you've got to have a great short game. You've got to be able to putt well. Also, you've got to putt well at the Masters. I mean, the greatest – uh, people who actually, you know, hoist, you know, the green jacket over on their shoulders, they putt well. And, and I think that's really been the missing ingredient for Matt. He's always been a very consistent ball striker and very a balanced temperament. But when you start making putts, 
you start growing in confidence. And that's when you actually start sort of walking with a little bit more pep to the green because you now realize you have a chance to make more putts. So I, I think that's part of it. Another thing, Holly and Jeff, is something that I read, you know, not too long ago, and I've written a new book, you know, about confidence. It's called The Confidence Course. And it was something said by Miles Davis, the great jazz musician, who actually just revolutionized jazz three or four different times in his career. And he said something so profound, and I'm going to tell it to you right now. He said, it takes a long time to learn how to play like yourself. And I think when you hear Matt Kuchar and and all the other guys, the veterans, they're always talking about getting better, but they're also becoming more comfortable in their skin, their thoughts, their game. And, And they now have a very solid personal playing philosophy. So I think that's really what you're hearing and what you're seeing in someone like Matt and for all the other, you know, established players. Well, let's flip the coin to the winner, C.T. Pan, who I know, um, you know, has been a student out at the Ledbetter Academy. What can you tell us about this great little young player? Well, I mean, let's talk about C.T. Pan. I mean, he was with the IMG Academy for about three to four years. Great player, uh, you know, Taiwan, uh, who went to the academy, also went to the University of Washington as a college player. I mean, he was the number one ranked amateur in the world for, I think, something like 10 to 12 weeks. Uh, he won eight times, you know, as a college uh, player for University of Washington for the Huskies. Uh, he also won the Azalea Invitational. I mean, I'll tell you what, I mean, he's got a really nice resume, and it just goes to prove he's played on, you know, the Canadian Tour. He's played on the Web.com Tour. He's had, a, you know, a few runner-up finishes. And you get established, you get comfortable, and he went out and, and did what he had to do that final round at Hilton Head. And while Dustin Johnson and a few other players are going the other way, and he sort of, you know, plays, he beats the golf course, and he ends up in the winner's circle. He was getting himself ready for a playoff. And when he finally learned uh, that, you know, the last twosome coming in, uh, they didn't actually, you know, force the playoff. He wins his first PGA Tour title, and now he's a winner. And his father passed away. And he said, you know, he looked up at the sky and said, Dad, I think we've finally done it. Oh, so uh, it's, gotta it's, love a, those it's moments. a wonderful feel-good story. Yeah. So, I mean, there you go. C.T. Pan, uh, he went out to beat the golf course, ends up in the winner's circle, and a beautiful Hilton Head heritage plaid jacket. <laughs> and that's the way it often works at Harbortown, is that uh, you have to hold on and, and beat the golf course on days when the golf course may not want to uh, want to lay down and cooperate. It takes a lot of uh, it takes a lot of people with them. But uh, one other interesting story, and I, I with regarding his family, I'm kind of curious where uh, what what you think in terms of just sometimes when you focus on other things or or other something else comes into play. And the story with CT uh, at Harbor Town was he wasn't going to play this tournament. Uh, he was going to go host his junior tournament back in Houston, and his wife essentially pushed him out the door and said, you play golf, I'll deal with the junior golfers. Uh, when something like that happens, I, I can see it going either way uh, with, with a player mentally where, uh, gee, I, I have to miss something that I was going to, uh, uh, that, that, I, that I was had invested a lot of time and effort in, but, hey, i got to go earn a living. 
what does uh, what, what does a guy like C.T. Pan or anybody that, that kind of has has to make those choices uh, deal with in any particular week? Well, anytime you have someone else uh, who shares your pillow, shares your life, uh, many times uh, they can give you a nice, friendly pat on the back. Or they can actually crack that velvet whip a little bit and say, hey, this is really what you do. And I've always told all of my professional uh, players, uh, men, women, this thing. You should have this on your business card. Have bags, will travel. Because that's what you do as a professional. So when he goes and he's not going to actually be there to host his AJGA event, himself his wife says hey this is what you do i think you know hey i think i've got a good feeling about this you go i'll take care of it so he goes in with maybe you know mixed expectations but the only expectation that really works is the expectation that hey this is what i do let's go play golf and lo and behold you know he's got himself a ticket to the masters next year and you know it, it rises him up in the world cup points the fedex cup points and that's really the way it happens. Sometimes when we have all the great expectations, I expect to win, I expect me you to know, shoot a low score, it's my home course, or this and that. Sometimes those expectations get in the way, Jeff and Holly. And other times you go out, I have no expectations. Let's just do what I normally do. I go out, I beat the golf course, I play my game, and lo and behold, I shoot a good score and I win the tournament. And I think that's exactly what happened for C.T. Pan here. A great story. Dr. Bob, I've been wanting to ask you this question since uh, he <laughs> talked about it uh, after the Players' sure. Championship. Rory McIlroy, you're one of the best of the best in terms of the mental side of the game. And Rory revealing that, you know, for the past eight, nine months, he's been working on this mental side of the game. Uh, even alluded that he did some meditation for 20 minutes before he went out and played the final round on Sunday at the Players. Um, curious, you know, we talk about it, it's all about the six inches between your ears, and now, you know, you're seeing Jason Day, you know, doing the visualization, um, Rory talking about meditating, and how he's, you know, really been working on that part of his game. Well, I think that's what everyone should realize. We all talk about the importance of the mental game, but how many of us really do it? And if any of us really wanted to learn anything about, you know, mental training, it's to listen, you know, to Rory and Jason Day and some of these guys who've sort of gone into a little bit of a valley as far as performance. And so they're sort of relearning how to tap into that sort of, I would say, native confidence or that naive confidence that they used to have when they played well. Now they're starting to learn how to actually create it, maintain it, develop it. And meditation, just being mindful of the moment, that's such a huge, uh, important statement there, to be in the present moment. And what that really means, and for most people to hear, yeah, I'll play one shot at a time, but a yada, be in the present moment. But that's really what the gift of being in the present moment. It is your gift of this activity of this single focused moment can you really get your mind into this shot now if you can do that repeatedly over and over for every shot and give each shot a high commitment high intention at the end of the day 
I'll tell you what, you actually, you know, have a very good scorecard because you aren't just trying to shoot a score. You're not trying to make birdies. You're not trying to just make a bunch of pars. You're trying to really just string pearls. And that's really what Rory and everybody else is doing. And somebody who did that better than almost anybody else was one Eldrick Tiger Woods just a couple of weeks ago at the Indeed. I heard Especially when he's in trouble on 11, you see him in that little chute in the trees to the right. He visualizes the shot. He's in the moment. He realizes this is a critical point. And that's really what big-time players, clutch players do. They focus, they dig deep, and they actually hit the shot that they have been practicing for years. And that's what Tiger did. That shot on 11, I don't know what you and Jeff said about it, but to me, that was the shot that set him up, you know, for this wonderful miracle at the Masters. Plus, he had a little bit of help from Francesco and Brooks and a lot of other people along the way to make it happen. But it was just a a great Masters, and uh, kudos to Tiger Woods for his fifth green jacket. Just an awesome performance. It certainly was. We always love to spend time with you, Dr. Bob. And uh, mention again the new book you have out and how people can get in touch with you, my friend. Well, they can actually go. I have a new website, uh, theconfidencedoctor.com. They can go there and they will find out you know, information about my new confidence course, the online course, theconfidencedoctor.com. Or you can go to drbobwinters, drbobwinters.com, and you can find me there. Or you can even go to davidledbetter.com, and I'm at the David Ledbetter Academy. So, uh, And they can Google me. I tell you what, Holly, Jeff, I can be found. Yes, you can. (laughs) And you're right here in Orlando. You're right here in Orlando. I'm here in Orlando, and I love, you know, hearing from everyone. So it's great to be on your show. I always love it. Hopefully I can, you know, get back with you and talk some more great stuff. Absolutely. Dr. Bob, check him out at drbobwinters.com and his new website, theconfidencedoctor.com. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. More golf talk coming up. Stay with us. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, that's my job to keep all those nuts away from you, Jake. That's just the way it is. Don't play at Pebble, won't pay the price. I love my Muni, I think it's nice. Swing in the house drives my wife up the wall. She shouldn't worry, I don't use a ball. It'd be good to just make part. We're back. The Golf Insiders in the house. Holly G, along with Jeff Shane. And yes, we're going to be back next Wednesday. Next Wednesday, 6 to 7, our Normal time slot, 11 years here at iHeartRadio. And you can also follow us everywhere on social media. We're big. Facebook. And growing. Twitter. Instagram. And if you go to thegolfinsiders.com, you can sign up for our weekly e-news in which we put out our podcast every Thursday. Some great blogs by my sidekick here, Jeff Shane. Um, and swag. If you want to, you know, get in on some of our cool swag, go to thegolfinsiders.com and click.
click on our e-club and register and you can win some cool stuff audio words swag we're triple crown stuff here that's right uh speaking of triple crown um as we know you watch the pga tour week to week and you get spoiled we as golfers get spoiled looking at the pristine conditions that the pros play every week and the guys that are responsible for keeping golf courses so beautiful for all of us they are the golf course superintendents of America and um they're the guys kind of be quietly behind the scenes but as we know especially when you see at the majors the hard work they have to put in to, you know, make these courses at the level of play. And many times, too, fighting course conditions when we have things like rain or, you know, um, torrential downpours, whatever might be going on. And um, it's really a pleasure to have one of our uh, finest of golf course superintendents here from the Central Florida Golf Course Superintendent Association and the Golf Course Super at Interlochen Country Club, Bryce Gibson joining us for a few minutes to tell us about a, a really cool program they've got going on. Hi, Bryce. Hey, Holly. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me on tonight. I appreciate it. Oh, we, we appreciate you guys. Um, uh, I, I did some work for the Golf Course Superintendents uh for a number of years, and I respect you guys and how hard you work. And um, tell us about this this philanthropic program you have going on. Well, yeah, the national chapter, the Golf Course Superintendent Association of America, uh, through their philanthropic arm of the Environmental Institute for Golf, is it's been about six years now. Um, it's called Rounds for Research. It's a growing program each year. And this year we have over a thousand golf courses bidding rounds across the country in about 41 states. And what it is is it's, it's an online auction for the week of uh, April 29th through May 5th. And you can go on there and search through your local clubs, or you can try to plan a trip across the country and find a course that you may have never played. And all that money that you bid towards that uh, that round will go towards uh, rounds rounds for research, and then that money is spread around the regions of the country for turf grass research. And the important thing about turf grass research is to, uh, so that we can be more environmentally uh, stable in the in the in the country, and also make pristine golf courses, like you said before, to make these courses playable for everybody to enjoy. And that's our that's our main key, and and that's where this money is going to go to. And um, this is a program that's been nationwide for how many years? Uh, it's been nationwide six years. Uh, it started in the in the Carolinas, uh, I think, uh, ten years ago, and then they decided to go national. And uh, Florida's been slightly growing each year. We have 165 rounds across the state this year, and uh, Central Florida alone has a lot of great courses that are that have rounds up for bid: uh, Bay Hill, Lake Nona, Interlochen, and uh, uh, Grand Cypress. Plus your your local courses where you can you can I know you may be a member there, but you can spend some money and uh, get a foursome at Mayfair, Hawks Landing down the resort area, all the Marriott courses, and uh, even Deer Island out in Apopka, all kinds of courses across the Central Florida area that have rounds available, and uh, it'll go to a good cause. Just out of curiosity, you mentioned that you can plan a golf vacation or, or at least a golf weekend uh, out of town with it. With it. Uh, and any research as to how many of these rounds at uh, Bay Hill and Lake Nona and 
uh, interlocking are uh, snapped up by people who are coming into the area for a weekend of golf? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the program's pretty new, and we don't see that data on, on the local chapter. I'm sure the national okay. would be able to, to answer that. But, I mean, I have heard of people making these trips out to the California to play uh, different courses out there and throughout the Midwest uh, and Chicagoland area where there's a lot of great courses, classic courses that are on the list. So, um, But in, on top of the rounds, there's also some stuff in there to bid on as far as teaching lessons from some big-name uh, uh, teachers and also trips all together, like a whole package where you stay for a couple nights uh, for a group of people. So there, there's more than just the rounds. There's also packages of stuff that um, people can bid on. Well, I heard three names in there, Bay Hill, Lake Nona, as well as your own course, Interlock and Country Club, that I think plenty of people right here in the Orlando uh, area would love to bid on. Uh, Bryce, in fact, Jeff and I were both speaking about uh, the fact that we've never, we, neither one of us have played interlock, and so we, we might have to get online and, and make a bid right <laughs> after the show. How do people, uh, how do, people do that? Um, there's two ways. You can go directly to the rounds, uh, let, uh, number4research.com, or you can go for biddingforgood.com backslash rounds for research. And those are two forms of ways you can get there, or just Google search rounds for research, and uh, it'll get you to the website to uh, start the, the review process. And the bidding will start April 29th and go through May 5th. Awesome. That's, again, rounds, the number four research. And um, you're look, looking to what, raise uh, maybe $350,000? Is, is that correct? Yeah, that's, that's the goal, the goal? This year. Last year, yep, the goal year this year is three hundred fifty thousand, um, and uh, each year we're going to try to get to a million in the next, uh, hopefully, the next five or six years. Well, we uh, we wish you a lot of success with this, Bryce, and I always love to talk to superintendents. So we'll have to have you on again when we can talk a little bit about some of the things you deal with here in in Florida, because we know uh, in the summertime uh, when it gets scorching hot. That uh, you know, it's, and then we have the afternoon thunderstorms. Yeah, so. that you know, it's it takes a lot to be a golf course superintendent here in Florida, and uh, I know you've got one of the the best facilities out there at Interlock, and and um, that uh, you're also on the board of the Central Florida Golf Course Superintendent. So we'd love to talk to you some more in the future, and and uh, find out more about how you make these courses so beautiful. Great. Thanks, Holly, and thank you, Jeff. And uh, just get out there and bid at roundsforresearch.com. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much. That's Bryce Gibson from Interlochen Country Club. You're listening to the Golf Insiders 96.9 The Game. Stay with us. We've got more golf talk coming up next. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my Championship in the T 
team event. Scott McCarran won the Mitsubishi Electric Classic. And big win on the LPGA, Jeff. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Brooke Henderson, who has been uh, on the tour for, what, four or five years now, uh, ties a Canadian record. She is the... uh, uh, the fourth person, fourth can professional Canadian, men or women, to win uh, at the top level of of uh, her sport. Uh, tying Sandra Post on the LPGA Tour, Mike Weir and George Knudsen with, uh, on the PGA Tour, winning the Lotte Championship. A uh, little bit of a history-making weekend. We uh, don't talk enough about the LPGA, in my humble opinion. So uh, it's a good chance to bring in a friend of ours, friend of mine for, gee, two decades. We'll, we'll talk about that later. But uh, Randall Mel from the Golf Channel uh, coming in. And uh, thanks for joining us on the Golf Insiders tonight. Hey, Jeff, good to be with you. Two decades. Oh, my bones are aching. I feel old. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> Great to have you on the show, Randall. Thanks for uh, spending some time with us. Oh, my pleasure. So uh, some breaking news uh, today about Michelle Wee uh, withdrawing from the L.A. Open this week due to wrist pain, but more to the story, correct, Randall? Yeah, it's it's troubling. If you're a Michelle Wee fan, you have to be concerned because this has been going on for a while now. She, um, you know, she underwent hand surgery in October, and that was to really repair three different maladies in her, uh, maladies in her right hand. It was uh, an avulsion fracture, some bone spurs, and um, uh, gosh, I've lost track of them all. Let's see. And uh, avulsion fracture, bone spurs, and there's one other thing in there. Uh, oh, nerve entrapment. That's I'm sorry. That's the third one. So none of that sounds good. No. And she'd been out. And when she uh, she's only really um, had one appearance, two appearances, ANA and uh, the Honda Thailand, where um, she hasn't had pain uh, since she's tried to come back. And this really all goes back. You can go all the way back to 2007 where she broke her left wrist in a fall while working out. And um, early last year I was talking to her and she said that, uh, you know, she was diagnosed with arthritis in both wrists. And she had been undergoing playing in pain last year, um, undergoing some cortisone injections. And she got to the point where she was told that they really can't do it. Uh, any more cortisone injections uh, just isn't a viable treatment anymore. So she started to undergo collagen treatments to address the pain, and none of that sounds good. No, no, definitely not. Now, I set me straight if if uh, if need be. I thought I had read somewhere that her surgery, the typical recovery time, was actually closer to a year. So we're we're just six or seven months away from uh, her having her surgery. Do you? Is there a sense that maybe she tried to rush it, as so many golfers try to do coming back from injury? Yes. I don't know that she would have had to wait an entire year, but there was a sense that uh, even from her talking to her that she was so eager to get back. I remember her. She was already tweeting about wanting to get back, and her hand specialist, uh, the surgeon, um, cleared her to come back for the uh, it was the Honda Thailand event in late February, so that really it was one start so she could prepare for her title defense in Singapore. 
and um, she made it through on to Thailand. Uh, but then after one round at um, in Singapore, she was like 10 over after 14 holes, had to withdraw in some pain. And, um, you know, we saw her at the, uh, um, just this last week at Lote where she hit that shot in the first round, and you could really tell she was in pain. Her wrist just kind of went limp, and she yelped and uh yeah, and then um, just this week she announced that she's going to take some time off. I talked to David Ledbetter, her swing coach, because Michelle didn't really say in her statement how long she would be away. David said her doctor, a hand specialist in Los Angeles, um, told her that she should go a month without touching a club. Well, the U.S. Women's Open is five weeks away, and David <laughs> said Michelle's already talking about that. So to your point, Jeff, I think she does hurry back too much, and she really needs to rest and let this fully heal. Someone who has experienced similar difficulties, Randall, uh, Paula Kramer. Um, That's who I was thinking of, too. You know, with her with her thumb injury. And, you know, uh, really, Paula hasn't really gotten her game back since, you know, she started with that debilitating injury. She, she had the one great, great week at Oakmont winning the women's u.s open and then it's been kind of a downhill slide yeah you know i was speaking to meg mallon um the world golf hall of famer about nyan Choi because nyan took a almost a year off last year uh pretty much the whole season and she said a big reason she did it was because meg had told her that uh you know you you have to take care of your body first. You really can't address some of the problems in your game until you're fully healed because Nyan had developed the driver yips and it was really all related to a back injury. So she took Meg's advice. She left the game. She went on vacation. She talked about sending, uh, she was in Eastern Europe and visiting castles and sending uh, photos to uh, Meg Mallon and Beth Daniel, different places she was at. <laughs> so, you know, you're right. I think, uh, some of these players, um, you know, it is, uh, they're so competitive that, and they'll, so they have deals too, you know, uh, corporate deals. And, and I think they, they want to please their fans. They want to, um, please their sponsors and, and they're very competitive, but, um, Michelle, she's, uh, I think even David said, you don't want this to become career ending. So he, he's really pushing her to let it fully heal before she comes back. Just real quick, uh, as we uh, kind of uh, come up on on the on the clock here, this just the significance. Uh, you know, Brooke Henderson, uh, the significance of that eighth victory uh, at uh, Lotte last week. Yeah, you know, she is. We all know how huge she is in Canada. So immense source of pride. It means a lot to her. It means so much to Canadians. And she's only twenty one, and you could already make an argument that she's the best Canadian. But you know, I think she'll by far be the best Canadian player before it's done. So significant in that effect. And also she's charging back up the world rankings. Uh, you know, we could see a Canadian number one before the year ends. Who knows? Well, I guess that would lead me to a question. What's it going to take for, uh, you know, one of the uh, Americans to come up the uh, rankings, Randall? Because, you know, we haven't seen a lot of American victories so far this year. Yeah, Nellie Corda is an emerging star, and Lexi had a nice finish last year, and they've been taking turns now as the top Americans. So it could be interesting and fun to see if they push each other um, to play well in the majors and maybe take their little competition for best American uh, to, to the race for number one. 
Well, um, always, you know, the talent out there now is just exceptional. It's fun to watch. And, um, uh, yes, we try to here at the Golf Insiders give women's golf its fair due. And (laughs) I know you do a a terrific job, Randall, at the uh, Golf Channel. And we appreciate you spending some time with us. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. All right, Randall Mel, check him out on thegolfchannel.com. Jeff, team event in New Orleans. New Orleans, the Zurich Classic. All right, uh, are you going to pick somebody? <laughs> are we going to are we going to uh, we going to go deep into our uh Well, I've got the list in front of me. I I'm going to go with the guys that I, that really I've gone with for the last 2 years and almost got the payoff in the first year where they when they took it to a playoff and then got pipped by Jonas Blixt and uh uh, Cameron Smith, but uh, I am a big fan, uh, as you are, of Kevin Kisner, and and Kisner has always said he and Scott Brown make a great pair, and uh, like I say, they almost won it two years ago. They had the 54-hole lead last year. It's uh, I, I, They're going to get their payoff sooner rather than later. All right, well, I'm going with the Aussies, the Aussies, Jason Day and Adam Scott. I think that's probably a pretty solid pick after... Uh, their master's performance. And then, you know, I always get a second pick. And I got to go with my my guy, my sentimental pick, Sergio Garcia and Tommy Fleetwood. I was wondering when you were going, going to bring them into the into the equation. Uh, if, if I have a second pick, I'm going to take the Kepka brothers. Ooh, I like that. I like that pick. And uh, I is he currently, is his brother currently playing on the European tour right now? Uh, he actually, I, I don't know the the circumstances behind it, but he uh, has not made a European tour start this year. All right. Well, uh, it's going to be a fun weekend. The Zurich Classic. You're listening to the Golf Insiders. We're back next week, Wednesday, six o'clock. Tune in. We got a tea time. We're out of here. Bye bye.